To the West Coast, No Coast, East Coast podcast, where I, your host, Adam Schaefer, will be breaking down all the happenings in the land's best fantasy basketball league, all the while attempting to reveal none of my actual strategy. All but the most extreme. You know, those people who are not Jocko Willing. Excuses are a reality of life. I think there's something valuable in the extreme ownership position of never wanting to make excuses, of having control over everything, even when it's not really technically your fault, and not giving yourself the out of blaming other people. A lot of usefulness in seeing the world in those ways, not letting yourself off too easy, especially when you have a propensity to let yourself off too easy. But if you get past that that low-hanging fruit of you're the person who's complaining about everything, always having excuses about everything, excuses which are pretty weak, we then get into, all right, you're going to have some excuses. Which ones are weak? Which ones are strong? And it's funny that the textbook example of excuses, the dog ate my homework, is a pretty strong excuse if it's real. You do the homework on a Tuesday night, your mom tucks you into bed, you wake up the next morning, you're eating your frosted flakes, the dog runs over, rips the homework out of your backpack and eats it, the school bus is coming in 10 minutes. That's a legit excuse. I mean, yes, if you're Jocko Willink, you then do the homework on the bus, you do it from memory, you accept the F. But it's a good excuse. A bad excuse, the type of excuse that the textbook example is probably talking about, is an excuse where you're lying. Even go back before you tell the lie. When you have the temptation to lie as an excuse, you have an opportunity to learn a lot about yourself. Again, before you ever utter the excuse, use that little indicator, the temptation to lie, as a place to gain great insights into what you really want, who you really are. Always kills me when people say, I I don't know how I feel. Not true. Any bit of information comes across to you. You have a feeling. Like, your mind is never blank. Try to make your mind blank for five seconds, you will fail. So you hear something, there is a knee-jerk response internally, if not externally. We're just focused on the internal, though, for right now. So you have a response. You know you have a feeling. You might not fully understand it. You might not fully like it. There may be more to it, but you have a feeling. And I'm suggesting that the feeling that you want to lie is one of the more important feelings to pay attention to. You go on a date. It didn't really go that well. You knew it didn't really go that well. Um, you were just weren't into her. She asked for a second date. And you're, maybe this is at the end of the date. 
you want to lie. She sends you a text message. Hey, let's do something this Friday. And your first thought is, what can I make up to get out of this? You're at a job. They want to give you a promotion. They want to shift you to another department. And instead of saying, I'm actually not interested in that, your mind goes to, what are the ways that I can plausibly escape this situation by telling some half-truth or zero-percent truth? You sit with those thoughts. You might not be able to in that instant. You might actually lie in that instant. I would encourage you not to, but you might. Replay that in your mind. Interrogate those thoughts. Why did I want to lie? And the answer is usually pretty clear. And it's funny how you could go months, years, not just sitting in that moment of like, why did I want to lie? Oh, it's because I don't want to go on another date. That's where it's not, you can dress it up as something more complicated. Oh, because I don't want that other job. Now, that might not give you the answer of the job that you do want. Though I'd suggest that if you stayed there for 5, 10, 15 minutes a night, a weekend, talking about it with friends, you also might get the, I don't want this, but I do want that. But even just staying with the, I don't want this, is quite useful. So a bad excuse, because you're lying, <laughs> and also, I would contend, more importantly, you're missing a golden opportunity to learn important things about yourself. Worst type of excuse. Oh, and the, the other important thing to say about those worst types of excuses is that they'll never end. You're not going to get better reasons to not go out with a girl. You're not going to get better reasons to not accept the job. You're just delaying the inevitable and making it significantly more painful. You can say you don't want the job today, or you can say it in six months after you've been in the job and all these people are reliant on you. You could say you don't want the second date now, or you can say it on date eight when she's really invested and you're really not, and that's going to hurt significantly worse. You cannot avoid the pain, but you can reduce the amount of pain that's involved for the other parties and honestly for yourself. So we... We've created the extremes. We've got the good excuses, dog ate my homework, being a, just a phenomenal excuse. We've got bad excuses, you lying about the dog eating your homework. And then we've got this middle bucket of excuses, which will bring us back into the fantasy basketball realm. These are the excuses which are true, but so avoidable. So let's say you did your homework and you know your dog is a really weird dog, doesn't eat actual food, none of the dog food, none of the human food, you put scraps on the floor, walks the other way, this dog subsists on paper. And you know that this dog, we'll call this dog Biff, loves the homework variety of paper the most and has eaten your sister's homework before, has eaten your homework before. Years this has gone on. And you know that you can avoid this happening if you put your homework 
in this, uh, this high area in your house, a, a shelf. A shelf would be a high area, right? Because the dog isn't very athletic. Tough to be athletic when you only subsist on paper. So you just, you leave your bills up there, you leave your letters up there, the mail, and definitely your homework up there. It's just a 10-foot shelf, nice, white wood, wood painted white. I don't really think wood exists as white out in uh, nature. Uh, and you put it up there and you're good to go. And you don't do that. That's a really avoidable excuse. So you're telling the truth, my dog ate my homework. You've used it 10 times before. You know a way to prevent this outcome from occurring and you didn't do it. Avoidable excuse. Not as bad as the bad ones, but bad enough that you should never have to do them. If you're thinking, if you're paying attention, I mean, maybe never. We're not Jocko here. Uh, <laughs> there should be a small number of these. And they shouldn't repeat. You had to use it last week on the geometry homework. You've got to use it again this week on the literature homework. The first time, pretty avoidable. The second time, unacceptable. We like that you're not lying, but it's an unacceptable excuse. I thought about all of this when on October 10th at 8.58 a.m., a little more than a week out from the commencement of the NBA season, we all received an email from Ben Myrtle Sorry, all, been away from Gmail. Now, you're not going to find a stronger proponent of being away from Gmail, of being away from your phone, of being away from all sorts of digital notifications than me. That is core to my philosophy. And so it is from that position of deeply having absorbed the idea that you don't want to be distracted from the here and now by all these dings, that I can say you still have obligations unless you want to live in a cave. You can use your phone differently. You can use your email differently than other people. I would encourage you to do so. While also appreciating that when you're planning a dinner for 6 p.m. that night and it's noon and you just go missing from your phone for four hours, as I have been known to do. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> That's unacceptable. Your philosophy is no longer a good excuse. Because your philosophy clashes with other philosophies that you have in this hey i don't want to be connected and i also want to have friends those are two important things which one is higher on the list i know for me and i'm going to assume for everybody else kinship with others is higher on the list it trumps that value now there are times when those two things don't come in contact but there are times when they do and one has to take precedent kinship with others does and so for those four hours, you got to have the ringer on. you got to be in touch. Now, you don't have to have it on. There, there are certain things, costs, that you may be willing to bear. I know that I'm willing to bear. 
well, you're not going to be there at three in the morning if your mom is rushed to the hospital. Yet that's not higher on my list. I, I don't put that in the kinship with others bucket. Me, a non-doctor, being there to hear some emergency about someone who's thousands of miles away, I don't need that. I guess it's not thousands, maybe just hundreds. That doesn't trump it. But the dinner tonight, that does. And so does, I've been a participant in a fantasy basketball league for years. I know generally when the NBA season starts, and those two things would, would indicate that I'm probably going to have to do something to draft, to pay money, the things that are there at the start of every season. It's not new. And that's in this kinship bucket, that's in, even outside of kinship, just the certain obligations, both implicit and explicit obligations that you as a member of community have signed up for. And so, in the same way that you know the dog is going to eat your homework if you don't put it on the white shelf, you know you've got to come out of the cave when obligations are nearing. Now, this is mostly a stretch because, well, everything I've said, I stand by. But just this little example, I've really blown it up because you did get back to us and you actually gave us a great email and you're in the league and it's all good. But it just made me think about all of this stuff. The next part, though, is less in jest or like finding an example just so I could talk for 12 minutes to fulfill my obligation to you to come out with podcasts. I'm over-delivering right now. We said once per month. We're, we're, at, we're at two and we're still in October. Uh, the one that's less than Jess is that Ben Myrtle, the great Ben Myrtle, went over the game's limits week one oh, of all the annoying petty frustrations in my life. I think this might be number one, which, yes, is an indication of the greatness of my life. People going over the game's limit. We would have accepted it from Lynn Lowley, first time in the league. You, Ben Myrtle, man who's been here for years, has ridiculed other people, probably, maybe, for going over the game's limit. You, on the first week, you know you're coming in with the eyes on you. You didn't do your punishment. You made demands. We laughed about it. You were late responding to the email, which again, we're mostly in jazz. You got there, whatever. But week one, you went over the game's limit. Actually, probably tried to go over it by more than one, but you got lucky that SGA was rested. So avoidable. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as bad as the homework. In terms of avoidability, I might go over the game's limit. Jerry Logan might go over the game's limit. It is annoying. We all get it. We wish ESPN would change it. For those who don't know, which should only be Lynn Lonely at this point, we have a game's limit set that's 49 on most weeks, except for all-star breaks and shortened, uh, not all-star, there's only one all-star break, except for the all-star break and then holiday shortened weeks. Holiday or shortened weeks. Sometimes those things are the same. Sometimes they aren't, as in the first week of the NBA season where we had a lower game limit. ESPN will not stop you from going over the game's limit unless you hit the game's limit on Saturday. On Sunday, you, can, you could be at 48 games and you could play 
13 players. Now, if you do that, there are punishments, as we all know, as Ben Myrtle knows. And the punishments have to be manually calculated by me. And then we have these adjusted standings that have to be held, that hopefully you're not in contention for playoffs. Hopefully your opponent wasn't disadvantaged by your extra game so that they lost 4-5, but actually they won 5-4. Fortunately, I don't have to do any of that math this case. The matchup was so not close in every single category that Christ Almighty going over by a game didn't affect the outcome. So, Sean's record stays the same. Christ Almighty, our current leader, is not actually our leader. He loses a win, gains a loss, so his record is 11-7. and seven. We'll keep track of that as the season persists. And please, nobody else do that. We will accept excuses. We just want them to be the good excuses. Give us good excuses, no podcast. And I get that, again, for this. We didn't even hear an excuse from Ben Myrtle. I'm just coming up with podcast ideas, okay? I'm doing it for you, Ben. Have a fun week.